We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Many automakers and suppliers talk about the role of electric vehicles in the future state of the industry, but what about wireless charging? Some companies, such as Hevo, are taking the challenge of wireless charging very seriously and investing in the possibilities of a unique future. Two leading executives at Hevo are making their mark on that future, and their stories are unique. After serving in the U.S. Army and obtaining his master's in public administration from Columbia University, Jeremy McCool founded Hevo in 2011. His vision was to create the global standard for universal and ubiquitous wireless EV charging. He's also Hevo's CEO. And Vic Paltola, Hevo's chief commercial officer, joined the company in 2022 after a four-decade career in the automobile industry, including leadership roles at TRW, Flex, and Ford, where he led Ford's global purchasing strategy. Vic also leads Hevo's global commercialization effort. OESA's Automotive Insiders hit the road recently for a number of recordings, broadcasting from the main hall of the OESA Automotive Supplier Conference in Novi, Michigan. Today on this episode, we talk about Hevo's origin, its vision, and commercialization strategy. We also cover the limitations for plug-in charging and the opportunities available. Automotive Insiders on the road at the OESA Annual Conference with Hevo. Continuing our conversations here at the 2022 OESA Supplier Conference, and it is wonderful to be joined by two gentlemen who are going to tell the story, the very uh, unique story of Hevo and uh, Jeremy McCool, uh, founder and CEO. It is excellent to be with you. Thanks for being with me on the program. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks a lot for having us on. Vic Peltola, wonderful to have you as well here. Thanks, Jason. Looking forward to the conversation. Vic is the Chief Commercial Officer. Let's start off, Jeremy, with uh, Hevo's origin. Tell me a little bit about the Hevo story. Yeah, I was a captain in the U.S. Army. I led troops into combat. I wanted to do something different when I got back from Baghdad to refocus around sustainability and focus around EV adoption and the acceleration of EV adoption. So I moved to Brooklyn, New York, went to university up in the Upper West Side at Columbia University, and I focused on EV adoption, but specifically the infrastructure side. And it really came to terms that once I started to interview customers like Frito-Lay and Fresh Direct and these kinds of companies that way back in 2009, 2010 had started to already adopt electric cars, they were already starting to feel pains at the plug, meaning that we were having problems with OSHA-related standards, problems in terms of fraying of cords and also tripping hazards, but also union labor problems of people not being allowed to plug in. So I asked them what did they want, and they said wireless charging. So kicked off Hevo while I was finishing grad school with the focus of bringing wireless charging forward to help accelerate EV adoption. And that was back in 2011. A little ahead of your time there when you talk about wireless charging. That's, I mean, a decade ago. Yeah, a little ahead of its time for everybody at that point. Yeah. There was probably a few hundred electric cars on the roadways back then. So we started to really get ahead of the, the game, but we needed that time to build a technology that would meet all the certification requirements. So back in 2020, we became the first company in the world to meet SAE annual qualifications, and that allowed us to become the first commercial-ready product. It took a while to develop this tech because it wasn't like we were using a reference design. There wasn't anything that we could use out there, 
in the landscape to say, okay, we could take this and now rebuild or build something better off of it. Nothing out there existed like it. And to also consider what, it would, what, what we would need to do for automotive, also for grid-connected systems, just all these standards and safety protocols, and then get to a point of actually having a product that could be industrialized to meet all the other qualifications and standards for quality. So, yeah, it took a while, but we were way ahead of, of the game on this. And there were others that were even there before us, which is remarkable to think about. And the landscape now looks like what? You and how many other competitors? Well, that's an interesting question because we just learned that one of our competitors has changed over all of its leadership in a very recent turn of events. And it looks like that company may not be part of the landscape anymore. Okay. So that uh, company is now known as Inductiv, formerly Momentum Dynamics. And then the other company that is pretty well known in the space is called Whitricity. They're out of the Boston area. Now our model has always been about being a supplier. We wanted to be a tier one from day one. And so that is what always separated us from the herd. Because we knew that in order to get customers, specifically automakers on board, they didn't want to be in a development program. They wanted to be in a program that gave them a ready-to-go piece of equipment that met their standards. All understanding that it needs to meet a price point, performance requirements, safety requirements, all these other things. But at the end of the day, automakers don't want to make this. They want to purchase it and then provide it to the customers just like any other standard OEM related process. Well, if you want to be a supplier, then you have to have an expert who's, who knows the purchasing side of the equation. That's right. So that's where we turn to Vic. and his four decades in the automotive industry, including leadership roles at TRW, Flex, Ford. You led Ford's global purchasing strategy, and now you're involved in this space. So tell me about what you've learned and tell me about the opportunities that Hevo has here. Yeah, uh, the uh, twists and turns of a career in automotive is, is kind of interesting, starting as a supplier tier one, um, and then following up with an OEM, and now working for a startup. I call it coming full circle. <laughs> uh, but leveraging um, my knowledge and experience from the um, Tier 1 side, at TRW, always at the forefront of technologies early on in my career with analog brake systems, then traction control, then vehicle stability control, going from a 2 to 5% installation rate up to full um, standardization through legislation, etc. I uh, spent a lot of time on the restraint side of business with airbag technologies, going from a passenger to a, to a uh, curtain airbag system, etc. So again, always at that front end of that product uh, evolution. And a lot of uh, similarities to where we are today in the wireless charging business. I met Jeremy and Hevo while I was at Ford Motor Company, and um, um, I joined Hevo this past summer with that same TRW mentality of staying at the front of this technology and seeing this through to mass adoption in various ways. And a lot of things that are being talked about here today at the conference are navigating in these large OEM organizations and finding the right people to advance and adopt technology is, uh, is part of the program. So a uh, real good fit for me personally, uh, as well as professionally, and uh, it's been a great time uh, the last several months with uh, with Evo. 
And Jeremy, what does Vic bring to the table that Hevo needed? Experience and know-how. He has the relationships, and there's no doubt about that. Vic is known as the mayor of Detroit by the people that know him. <laughs> <laughs> but really, he understands what the company needs to go through as its next steps to get it to become a tier one reputation type of company that would be reputable for these kinds of automakers that we're working with. And we've got six to seven out of the 10 biggest automakers that we're involved in some kind of process with right now at looking to bring this type of technology onto their cars. You gotta have somebody that understands how to navigate those systems and those processes and programs. That's not something that's just innate in a, in a startup kind of community. And this is the hardest one to be in on top of that. When we break it down, automakers have a need to provide something of better charging experience and performance to their customers. Everybody understands that is the pain. But how do you get them to pay attention to you as a startup, as a small company? You gotta bring in people that they, they respect and that they know. And you gotta have those kinds of relationships and networks. Bottom line is this is a relationship business. That doesn't happen behind Zoom call screens and things of that nature. It happens with shaking hands, getting to know people, going to bowling alleys together. That's what Vic brings to the table. Those, those relationships of 40 plus years, but the experience and, and the expertise of knowing how to navigate through and get us to the right people. So Jeremy, where are we on the roadway to achieving what you want Hevo to achieve? What's the, what are the opportunities out there right now? Where are the barriers? Immediate opportunity is fleet, without a doubt. Has been, always will be that immediate opportunity for us. We're in the current standing of announcing the single biggest order of wireless EV charging in history. And it's gonna be for a fleet in New York City. Hmm. That city is providing services where there are what we call mass transit deserts that the patrons of New York don't, in these outer borough areas don't have access to mass transit in general. These are outer borough areas in disadvantaged communities, underserved communities on top of that, where there's a lot of traffic from big vehicles where they're idling at all day long, and especially in these fleet yards. This specific shuttle program is the first of its kind. It is taking over 100 vehicles that are traditionally internal combustion engine, ICE vehicles, and then trading them out for a full electric car, or electric version of that, I should say. And then on top of that, those vehicles will charge overnight wirelessly on our charging stations that have been scattered throughout those borough areas strategically at locations for them to charge. And what's really important is, is that this also brings to light a couple major companies uh, that we're working with from the automaker side. And so we'll be making a formal announcement very soon for it, but we have an, an MOU in place now with Lightning E-Motors, and that is really important because that is a publicly traded company that takes existing ICE chassis, typically E-Transits and those kinds of vehicles, step vans, box trucks, and then converts them by repowering them with their specific electric drivetrain. And those kinds of vehicles have already been deployed around the country uh, with companies like DHL and IKEA. There's 64 of those vehicles alone in the city of New York that DHL operates out of the Manhattan 
in Long Island area. So you take wireless charging, you add that to the mix with those kinds of fleet operations. This is what you do uh, in terms of unlocking the opportunity for them to go electric, which is you eliminate OSHA problems that we talked about, tripping hazards, fraying hazards, all these other challenges with corded management. And then you add on to that the point about union labor. A lot of these kinds of big fleets are not allowed to operate union uh, operate charging stations because of union labor restrictions. It's just the same as putting in a pump into their into their vehicle. So what does that do? That eliminates two challenges. The third one being a lot of these locations that these fleets operate out of in terms of their fleet dynamics for parking. They don't own that land. They have to negotiate with the landlord. So if you ask a fleet manager what is it like to own an electric car or, and where do they spend the most of their time? Any good fleet manager is going to tell you it's 10% buying an electric car, 90% managing the charging of it and buying equipment and figuring out how to do all this other stuff that they're frankly not trained to, to do. They're all of a sudden on the whims trying to figure out how to do this at real-time real speed. And then you, you do that with a major fleet, say Amazon with the 100,000 vehicle order from Rivian, that's 100,000 headaches that they got to manage every single day. So we see fleet immediately right now, and then we've got automakers that are working with Hevo, even here in this, the Detroit metro area right now, working with Hevo to figure out how do they get wireless charging on their vehicles, factory built in 2025, 2026 is the time frame that we're looking at. And Vic, final question to you. As you look at your own role as the chief commercial officer, what what is on your to-do list? What are the priorities that you really want to get accomplished for the company? Get a production contract. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That works. No. Uh, <laughs> we've got things underway where um, we've got these development contracts with automakers. We've got early adoption happening with fleet companies. Um, getting the awareness to consumers, which is kind of different than the traditional tier one supplier role, right? There's a lot of electric vehicle owners that are unaware that there's wireless charging available out there. And once they get word of that, they're gonna start asking how, through dealers maybe, uh, maybe through JD Power feedback, but uh, automakers and then consumers need to marry up and understand that automakers can uh, deliver this technology and that the uh, consumer, the vehicle buyer, the EV uh, vehicle buyer uh, wants this technology, right? Um, you look at, uh, I always use this example of uh, Apple. They have the ultimate user experience. They've eliminated the wires from their earbuds. They've gone wireless charging as of the iPhone 8. You put your uh, phone on the uh, charge pad every night along with your earbud case along with your Apple watch and in the morning every morning everything's topped off 100% there's no range anxiety for the entire day rinse and repeat at night so there's that awareness out in the uh, uh, both in the automakers as well as the consumers and as Jeremy mentioned the fleet companies get it because there's an operational efficiency factor there so they're quick, early adopters, and it's a matter of getting that consumer awareness and automaker awareness to get this technology out of vehicles. We wish you both the best of luck, and thank you for being on the program and for being at the OESA Supplier Conference, the annual Supplier Conference. Vic, thank you. Thank you. Jeremy, best of luck to you as well. Thank you. 
That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guests, Jeremy. And thanks again to my guests, Jeremy McCool and Vic Baltola of Hevo. Thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. <laughs>